0: Second week of a new series called "Parents as Spiritual Leaders," and I want to kind of give you an idea of where this came from. Again, I think I mentioned this last week, but the overarching thought that we have in this series, and I hope that you can walk out of here with something like that, is uh, the overarching thought that, that we have is that what would it look like if if and we got we know we had an LT meeting this week and and we had a lot of some conversation about this. I've been saying empower the parents to be spiritual leaders in their homes, but that's not what we're here to do because, you know, God empowers you. We had the conversation, and I, I praise God for that. But to exhort or to encourage, right, it means to call one another to account for our obligations, for our opportunities that God has given us, for the responsibilities he's given us. And he's given every one of us, We you know, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. He's given us He's given us responsibility, areas that we can influence, and he's, and he's waiting for us to be responsive. And one of the words that comes out of Scripture um, that Jesus said, he said, you'll know... I'll know you're my disciples when you do what I've commanded you. Isn't that interesting, right? I mean, we always say if you believe in your heart, if you confess for your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, he was raised from the dead. Did you get that? If you confess for your lips that Jesus is Lord, Master, and, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead after a brutal crucifixion, it says you will be saved. And we say hallelujah, right? Praise God, we're going to be saved. But Jesus said these words. I will know you're my disciple if you do what I've commanded. You see? And those aren't mutually exclusive things. And some of us got the whole say, we're like, yeah, I, I, you know, I confess that Jesus is my Lord, and I know in my heart he was raised from the dead. I don't know how that happened, but I know it happened. He has power over life and death, and therefore I'm saved. Praise God, hallelujah, right? But I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to know what it's like to walk where Jesus walked, to see the way Jesus saw, to love the way Jesus loved. That's why that was so impactful down there. Always around, this isn't one, this is a 40 days uh, bracelet, but they always have those, you know, WWJD things, and and you always get that. But, you know, there's a real, real, real question. The question that we have to ask is, what would Jesus be doing if he was here right now? You know, this morning in worship, we have to ask the question, would Jesus be satisfied with this worship of his heavenly Father? Would he come into this place with you and I, stand amongst us right there in the blue chairs, and would he say, this is glorifying to my Father? That's a hard question. Or would he start flipping something over and go, this isn't worship. I think we always live in a tension between those things. We totally worship God, and yet we're always falling short of his glory. We can't adequately express his majesty. So, um, so this is, the idea is to see what it would look like to exhort, to encourage, to, I've been saying empower, but you know what I mean, to call the people of God to respond to the gospel in their lives, to take responsibility, right, over the things that God's given them responsibility for. So that's kind of the, the thought we've been starting with. Now, I want to ask you to open your Bibles to Deuteronomy. I hope you brought a Bible today. If you didn't, I hope you bring one. I hope you have one. If you don't, talk to me, we'll get you one. It's important that you be in the Word of God yourself, that you be praying yourself and you be following God yourself. Um, He is very interested in leading you to the places he'll have you to go. So I hope you're doing that. We're going to open to Deuteronomy. I think it's going to pull up here in a second. Chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. Now, this is known as a Shema, and I hope that you know that. By the end of the series, I hope you understand that this is called a Shema. Shema is like hear. Oh, I just think pushed past it. Yeah, I did. Um, Hear or remember, right? And it's written to Israel. But Israel, I want to remind you, is the people of God. And I'll even remind you something else about Israel. Israel was Jacob when he wrestled with God all night on the beach. Like, that's where Israel got his name. That Jacob was like, I am not going anywhere until I get an answer of who you are. And it says this. It says that Jacob went away with a, 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 a broken hip. Like, he was wrestling that much with God that God broke his hip. And he walked away broken, but with a new name. Israel. Here. Here. This is what it says. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Right? Remember, hear, the Lord is one. It's a beautiful thing. And I, I just want I'm going to keep reading that Every week I'm going to read that passage because I want you to hear the Shema, to remember, to not forget that these are commands that are given. This is back in the, we call it the Old Testament. It's the First Testament. The first revelation from God in Scripture comes in the Old Testament. And this is part of what's called the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Penta means five. There's nothing fancy about that, right? So it's like foundational to our faith experience. This is words that Jesus, when he was a boy, when Jesus was a boy in his stepdad Joseph's house, would have been taught these words. When Jesus was a boy, he'd been told by Joseph, his stepdad, you have to memorize this. It's that important, son. You must remember these things. So it's important for us as well. Teach them to your children. Talk about them all the time. I wonder, as a son of a carpenter, I wonder what the experience was for Jesus, you know, at the end of the workbench when his dad's saying, remember, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Very practical stuff, very real stuff. So the next thing I'm going to ask you to do with me is read. We're going to read one other place. Now, I'm going to give you a way to remember what we're going to read today. And I hope you'll actually memorize the scripture we're going to read today. But... Um, We just read from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 8, right? Well, today we're going to be reading from Ephesians 6, 4. So I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is in the New Testament, right? And uh, it's found toward the end. It's one of the epistles, so it's going to be found toward the back of your Bible. And by the way, if you ever can't find a passage of Scripture or a a book of the Bible, I hope you will not be too embarrassed to flip to the table of contents and find out where it is and turn to the page number. There's nothing wrong with that. So if you you don't know where it's at, Praise God. That means you're learning. And uh, I don't know where some books are. I'm flipping around looking for books. I go to the table of contents to figure out where it's at. We're gonna, today we're going to set, I'm going to read from verse 1 through verse 4, but today I want to set on one verse, okay, with you. So we're going to read from the book of Ephesians. Here's what the word says. Children, obey your parents as in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment that's given with a promise that it might go well with you and you can enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And we're going to set on that verse four today. And we're going to spend some time there. But before we do, we're going to do what we always do because the word of God is, uh, the word of God the, the Bible is God-breathed. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, we have to be inspired to understand it, to see it, to hear it, and to put it into action. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me again today. Father God, we're coming into your house to worship you. We want to be worshipers in spirit and truth. We want to be the kind that when Jesus, when Jesus is with us, he's like, this is pleasing to my Father. It's glorifying to my name. I pray that that would happen today by your spirit and your grace that we could enter into a time of sovereign worship that we'd be glorifying to you, that we could let go of the stuff in the world, and we can hear what you, our Heavenly Father, have to say to us today. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We confess to hard hearts, just brittle hearts. We pray, Father, that you would make them soft and malleable, that you could change us, that we'd be conformed to your image. May you be glorified through your word, through our uh, investigation into it and our application of it in our lives. May you do your work through your word. We pray these things uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, which gives us life and breath, and in the mighty name of Jesus, which gives us everything we need. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to set here. Now, this is kind of a, an interesting thing because this is a second week in the series. You'll remember last week we talked about disciples make disciples, Right? I mean, we can't get around that fact that the first thing is that you have to be a disciple to make a disciple. And that's kind of obvious, but it's funny because we can kind of assume that you can just maybe find a formula and do these things uh, without being a follower yourself. That means a learner of God's ways and uh, a a learner of the way of Jesus. But today we're going to come into this passage that's written to the church in Ephesus. And it's written right on the heels of another passage we spent some time in in a love and marriage series, and it's about husbands and wives. And so I want you to see this comes in the middle of a passage where Paul's talking about instructions for the houses of God. Like, if you're going to be in a godly home, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to be like. A matter of fact, the first three chapters of Ephesians is about what we have, who we are in Jesus Christ. And 4, 5, and 6 is about how that manifests, how it comes about in our life, right? What it looks like to live godly lives. Now, I want to tell you right up front that... For most of my life, I've not led a godly life. And as a matter of fact, if you all, and you all walk into my house any time, but you walk into my house, you're going to see something. i be like, what is that? Is that God honoring? That's going to be a lot of stuff that we have not conformed our, our, ourselves to the ways of God yet. And yet we are pleased and glorifying Him because we're on journey. I hope that's true for you too, you know? Like, God's living there with you in your house. And I hope you understand that that's as much of a house of worship, house of worship as this is, that He's ever present with you. So today we're going to talk about um, the role of fathers in, in a home. And I think it's kind of funny where it comes on the first week of No Shave November, which is pretty fun, you know, celebrating manly things, right? But um, I want to say something about Father's Day. I think you are going to maybe be surprising. I mean, I don't know if you'll be surprised, but I was surprised, sort of, because when you walk it out, it, it makes sense in our lives. And the first thing I want to talk to you about today, about fathers, and, and this is gonna, we're going to get all around this, so don't think, well, I'm not a father. I keep saying it to you all. I hate to apologize for the word of God. I'm not. It applies to you, okay? So don't think, well, this doesn't apply to me. But the first thing I want to talk to you about today is that fathers are, um, play a unique role as spiritual leaders, right? I mean, fathers play a unique role as spiritual leaders in God's plan. Like, this command right here is written to the church in Ephesus, and, and it's written to fathers. It's very distinct. If you see a translation of the Bible that says parents, it's not being accurate, right? This is, the, this is a call of the men of God to be, uh, to fathers who have children to be, um, be doing these things. There's a unique uh, role as spiritual Uh, leaders. Now, what's interesting about this is this, this might sound shocking. I'm not sure if you can pull it up for me in the back, because I'm not sure if I'm lost in these things or what, but this might sound surprising to you uh, that, that there'll be a unique role. We've been talking about it a little bit, but I want to remind you that we started, It's part of Love and Marriage here. We started this idea from Genesis 2. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, right? And it says, the two will be one flesh, right? So we talked about how the man was the one doing the leaving and the cleaving, okay? Running to his bride, clinging to her, and the two will be one flesh. But here's what's interesting. This is like walking out that next step in the journey, isn't it? That then fathers who are now with their wives and are one flesh have a calling, a responsibility, a unique responsibility over their homes. I'll remind you of something else. And this is, this is pretty, uh, pretty interesting as well. But in Genesis, in the creation account, this is the way it goes down. God creates all the stuff. God creates all the animals, and God creates man, right? And then, Mo, and then Adam is complaining because there's nothing that's for him. Nothing for me. Nothing for me. And God says, "All right, here you go, Eve, for you." But this is what the word says: Eve is created as a helper for men. Now, see, we and it's like Ephesians above it. And I tell you that don't don't read Ephesians twenty two four twenty two or five twenty two without reading Ephesians five twenty one. Okay, because submission is mutual. But I want to say this, that in this way, this doesn't mean that women are subservient to men. It means that men are to be the ones that are doing this. The primary doers. Now, what's funny is for most of, for most of history, this wouldn't be a big thing to have to talk about. That men have an obligation, a responsibility before God to be leaders. This wouldn't be something you didn't even bring up. Except in our culture, men have been, like, pushed to the side. I mean, we've, we're on a grand experiment. We're on a grand experiment, and I'm not um, going to go too far down this road, but we're on a grand experiment about how we can reorder the order that God has for things. And it be okay. If you don't think that our culture is trying to convince us that it's okay to do it our own way, just start, I hope you get eyes to see it. That that's all we're trying to do is say, you know what, this God stuff is 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 not necessary, and we can find our own way, and there's no re- no repercussions, no fallout from that. Now here's something that's really interesting. When I was when I was prepping uh, this week, I ran a, I did some research because I thought, you know, is there anywhere else? And and uh, I'm going to share this with you. There was this uh, study I found, and now I did it. I, I made it I, on purpose went out and found. It. I didn't want to find like the you know the family focus. Focus on the family study for whatever. I wanted to find some people who would like have no no inclination to speak any truth about what God says about things. And I and I found this um this study that was done um by a university and it was like it's published in like Applied Developmental Science Magazine or something, you know, it's like peer-reviewed study and all this stuff. And what was interesting is this, and, and I don't want to hold this up because I tell you what, right here, brothers and sisters, this is the word of God. And this is just us figuring out that God's been right the whole time. You know what I'm saying? So don't be, I don't want to be like this? Like, look, the study tells us, finally, true. God, no. It's like God. It's always been true, and we're starting to see it. Truth of it. You know what I mean? And so, don't get me wrong here. I'm not bringing this up as like some kind of um, you know authoritative text. This is just us. But what I love about this thing is, is two things. First of all, it wasn't it wasn't subjective. They they studied. They watched. They videoed. They didn't ask people's opinions. They watched. And this, and this is what happened. They observed um, homes where men were involved in the lives of their children, right? It happened to be these were low-income families. Because guess what? When you're low-income, you're going to do something for like $20. bucks. you are like, yeah, I'll do that. And other people come in your house. 20 bucks, Yeah, I'll do that. And so they, they, they paid them a little bit of cash, came in and watched. And here's what the results they had found. Um, they found that in homes, in homes where the father was engaged, and that's the key, in the raising up of the child, listen to the, the results in the survey, it blew me away. In contrast to mothers, and that's not saying mothers don't have a role to play, but father's supportiveness matters for children's language development, for their cognitive development, that means their mental development. It, um, let's see, yeah, cognitive, uh, children's language, and, and um, emotional regulation across all ages. Now, I wanna say that again. It was, it, they tested them at 24 months, at 36 months, and then whenever they were in kindergarten or pre-K, right? And this is what they found, that a father's active engagement in the life of their child helped them develop language sooner and better, helped them de- develop cognitive thinking ability sooner and better. But this is the real kicker. As a pre k K child, this child was more able to regulate their emotions because the father was actively involved. That, I was like, wow. I mean, because I think we would say, well, yeah, it's going to make a difference. But, but praise God that, you know, like I say, when people are figuring it out, you know. Their, their study, interestingly enough, this is, you know what? If I mean, this, you know what their recommendation was? That our country and our systems ought to encourage fathers to participate in the lives of their children. <laughs> Woo, like $3 million there, you know. <laughs> Because I guess if it didn't come out of that, we are going to go, hey, we can just blow it off. And we can say we've been saying for the last how many years, 50 years, whatever, that dads don't have anything to do. Wow. Now, I want, I want to let that set for a minute because I want to think about that. But, but God says that fathers have a unique role. It says here, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now. Here's what happens with this very quickly. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, um, guys and, and, and gals, that, that this is where we're falling down on the job because God's saying that we have a unique responsibility as spiritual leaders, as leaders in general, but as spiritual leaders in our home. Because this book right here is about following the ways of God. And, um, and so we have a unique calling in this. But here's the next, the next hiccup. You see, we have a unique responsibility as spiritual leaders in the home. But here's the kicker, is that because of that... Um, We also have the opportunity uh, to influence on kids in negative ways very easily, and what the word here says is, "Fathers do not exasperate your children." I can't believe I said it wrong yet. I always say it wrong, but um, I, I put in here: fathers can frustrate our kids, like uniquely, because of the way God made things. We can frustrate our children quicker and better than anybody else. You know. Like, it's in us. And by the way, I'll point out one thing here, too. The word says children. That means boys and girls. It doesn't mean, you know, fathers, you can frustrate your sons. Because we have this kind of picture of, you know, daddy's girl stuff. But listen, you can, you can frustrate your children just because of your role in the household. Now, see, this is the problem with us having a unique role, and that's why I think we'd rather God just say, God, don't say nothing about fathers, because then I can just kind of slide in there, you know, because we make the joke about the guy with the remote control, you know, and, and, and women doing all this stuff, around the house, but here's the truth. It's a lack of leadership on our part, right? If you're like me, you're sitting you're saying, oh, I wish you would quit running me around, dragging me around by my nose, but guess what? Your wife is doing that because you ain't doing your job. That's hard. Our idea of submission is, you just sit on the couch next to me. You know what I mean? You stop. What if the call is that we have to start? That's a whole different thing, you see. And then all of a sudden, this unique role, we're like, oh, God, really? I'm responsible for stuff? The word here, uh, frustrate, I want to give you some of the ways of different translations. I'm not sure what you're reading today. NIV says, um, my NIV says, exasperate. There's a newer NIV that says, that translates it, um, do not provoke your children to anger, right? Provoke to anger. That's one word they're translating there. Um, And another way is this, and it's really interesting, not to cause your children to stretch out, this isn't really a translation that was written, but this is what the word means, to stretch out oneself in order to touch or to reach something. You see, there's a biblical picture here. It says don't, fathers, Don't cause your children to be like this all the time. You know what I mean? Wanting. Longing. Hoping. Waiting. Dad. And we're not there. Provoking our children to anger. But we're not there. We're absent. And then... The, the, the train comes off the tracks and it starts to, you know, a big mess. The pilot begins and we wonder, how, how did that happen? Oh, I was just sitting, I was standing idly by and it went wrong. Yeah, you know, because your children, they're like this, like that. And the word says, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't exasperate them. Don't, frustrate them it means to reach out or desire something that they can't have Here, here's another way it comes across it means to finally just give yourself over to sin it's use the same words used for the love of money i'll find my own way i'll make it myself I tell you, one of the issues that we have, I believe that we come out of a generation where we're like, hey man, you find your own way. I'll tell you, I'm confessing to you, church, and I don't know if you're with me on this, but one of the things that I had as a young father, I thought, I'm going to do the best thing for my kids. I'm going to let them make their own decisions. What a tragedy. But we've been convinced. Oh yeah, they're, they're, they're a blank slate. They're, they're pure hearted. They're, they're, they're no, no trouble at all. And we leave our kids to, to long, to wonder, to wait, to hope, to pray. And God says, don't frustrate, don't frustrate your kids like that. Fathers, don't do that. Now see, there's another side of this coin and and that's children. I love that the pastor starts off, children, oh, honor, honor your father and your mother because that promise comes with a blessing. And I know that for any of us who were born, and I think we were all born, right? Oh my gosh, you guys just popped out. You know, I mean, I was born. And I know sometimes it's hard for me to honor my mother and my father. You know, I know it's hard, but you know what? We're, we're called to honor them because it's, it comes with a, bl- a promise from God. But here's the thing, you know, we've all had that experience. In some way or the other, we've always thought, man, you know, there's that thing or there's that way. And, and uh, this isn't about laying false guilt on anybody, but it's about real responsibility. You know, we are to be guilty over the things that we are not doing the way God's calling us to do them. And if you're feeling guilt today because that's you, then praise God for that because that's God's spirit moving in your life. But I'm not trying to lay false guilt on anybody. I'm trying to say that God has a plan for our fathers to lead their homes. And he's asked us not to frustrate our children. I want to give you three ways I think we can really frustrate our kids in our homes. And, or maybe your parents have done this to you. Maybe your, your, your dad is frustrated in this way. But I think there's three kind of ways that, that this manifests itself. And the first is by teaching things that are contrary to God's ways. I mean, to flat out be indifferent to the ways that God has taught you to teach your kids. And you just go, well, I, I don't even know what the Bible says, but I'm going to tell you to do this. Or I do know what the Bible says, but I don't believe that. And we're going to do this other thing. And that's, that's a, a great way to frustrate your kids who are created in God's image. The second way, and I talked about that a minute ago a little bit, it was just pure absence. I'm talking about, like, absence, you know, not being there. One of the reasons I'm so passionate about marriage is because it creates a foundation that children can thrive in. Now, I've said before, and I've gotten in trouble for saying this, you can't stay together for your kids. And people have said, I'm, we're going to stay together for the kids. But I've seen tragedy from that, too, not because it's so nasty, but the bottom line is that as soon as the kids are gone, the parents are out of there, and the kids as adults are devastated because it was all a lie. You stay together because you love your husband, your wife. You love them by choosing to love them, and this creates an environment where your kids can thrive and grow. But the bottom line is this. By being absent, we can frustrate our kids. But here's the thing, right? We can be absent but be there. And that's probably the the bigger bigger issue too, right, is you can be absent and be right there through indifference, through complete indifference toward our kids, our responsibilities that God has given us. We're saying, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And our kids pay the price. Man, I hope that you hear that today because I want you to sit on that for just a second. I want you to think, you know, this is what's happening. I mean, you see in your own home, you see in our country, you see around our neighborhoods, you know, this is the stuff that's happening is that these kids are just frustrated. And you can see it in boys and girls too because i tell you this manifests in a couple different ways. Boys go out and get in the trouble, but girls go out and find a man. You know what I'm saying? You can see this in them. When, when, dad, when dad ain't there, they're just looking. Somebody, somebody. One of the reasons we need uh, um, to live in community of faith is that we can have other adults that can influence our kids that we can trust, right? It's a big deal so here we are it says don't frustrate your kids and I'm like well God I just see this in my own kids I see I'm frustrating them all the time I'm, I'm falling short I'm, I, I, you know, it's, it's, and I just feel it and I know it I know it is true the word of God has come with full conviction I know this is true and so my next question is well what do we do? what do you do right now if you're in this room and this is you? the cool thing is that when God gives us an instruction he tells us how to do it and he empowers us to do it by the power of his Holy Spirit and the grace of His Son, Jesus. Listen, the next thing we're going to read here is in verse 4, second half, it says this. Instead, right? I want to bring a lot of hope with instead this morning because it's saying don't frustrate your kids, but instead. If you're worried about frustrating them, if you're worried about leaving them short, if you're worried about, you know, instead. He says, but instead, in another way, do something different. And this is what he calls us to do. And this might surprise you. But he says, uh, he says bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, what's, what's interesting about this um, is that what this means is that guys, as fathers, as, as fathers in our homes, we're going to do a little cooking. Now, if you know me, you know I don't cook. Mike, Sapienza. Setting the bar high for the rest of us. But, but, uh, but God's word says, um, instead... Bring them up, right? But, you know, bring them up. I mean, you think a lot of things like let them grow, you know, like weeds out there, you know what I mean? Let them kind of go. But, but what it really means, it means um, to feed, to nourish, right? To grow, to sustain them. Fathers are called to feed our children. It's what the word of God says. Chris is probably getting excited. He's got a pot. He's going to cook something. it's this idea it comes right before it in Ephesians where it says no one hates their own bodies but instead feeds them right above it in Ephesians the same word is used it's this idea of providing nourishment and sustenance and so when we're talking about our role as fathers I want you to see that our call is to provide a place for them to grow right we're going to, this is what like making a home is about, right? I mean, this is what it's about. It's not, it's not about, it's not about, um, you know, making enough money to, you know, keep everybody happy. It's about getting this kind of foundation, this kind of place where, where we can have, you know, kids who can fully rely on us. I, I got to be very careful with this. This is my son's plant. It's, it's been growing since he was in the third grade. And he let me, He's not even here. He's helping this morning. He let me trust you. I said, I'm not going to hurt it. All right. And, and so we, we, we put him in this place. Now, I want you to see this here a little bit. We got this opportunity that God has given us to, to provide nurture. You know, a lot of guys aren't nurturers by default, are we? You know, we're kind of tough and, and grimy. I and mean, a lot of us today, we're kind of scruffy, aren't we? Kind hard of to, hard to live with and hard to love. And that's what we hear about, about guys. And we got this kind of, we're kind of known for not being very caring. Oh, goodness sakes. We don't, we don't provide care very well. And you know, this is one of the problems with church too because guys come, look at a fly coming out of my bag. Guys come to church and they're like, I don't even get this stuff, it's all girly, you know? Listen, I want to tell you something about loving your kids. It's the manliest thing you can do. I don't think that God's called you to love your kids like your wife loves your kids. He hasn't called you to love your kids like their mother loves them. He has called you to love them as a father loves their children. But God says, feed them and nourish them and provide a place. Check it out. See what I'm saying? This is like, you know, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not all flowery. It's dirty. You get your hands in there. You, you, you know what you say? Maybe like me, and you say, "Ah, oh. God. Okay, so your word says don't frustrate our kids. Your word says raise them up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord, but I'm, I'm going to screw this up. God's like, yeah, I know. I'm right here with you. See, he's called you to this. He's called you to this. If it were not so, you would not be a Father. Part of the hard, one of the hardest things about speaking to a young man who doesn't see any responsibility over his children is that he has been uniquely blessed with this opportunity to lead. And we say to the God who gave us the blessing, I, I, I'm not qualified. God says, I'll make, make a way. We can rely on him. Disciples make disciples. If you come to this place and you're like, I've been frustrating my kids. You know, the first thing you do is you confess before God that that's true. If you see this in your life, you confess before God that that's true. We talk about anger when it spills out. And it does, it comes from the inside, from the heart. When that happens, we confess before God. God, I was just angry with my kids. And you ask for forgiveness. God would forgive me for that. You know, the word says that in the cross of Jesus Christ, all your sins are forgiven. All of them. You don't bear the responsibility. You confess it before God. And in the cross of Jesus Christ, we're forgiven for that sin. But then here's the next part. You see, when we've asked for this forgiveness, the next is it goes out this way. You see, this cross works. It goes out. And we go to that person. We say, I've sinned against you. I'm sorry. I've, I, I've, will you forgive me? Will you please forgive me? And then the word says you repent and you begin to do it differently. We begin to do it God's way. Now, Instead of frustrating our kids, he gives us two ways that we're called we're called to do this. And the first is this. By the way, can we just praise God for a minute that he, he tells us what to do? You know what I mean? Can we praise God that he just don't say, stop doing that and then don't tell us what to do? We stop frustrating them, and we choose to be obedient to his calling. And he says this, Bring them up in the training and instruction of our Lord. Now, some of your Bibles might translate differently again here, but the first word is, we're called to feed them with discipline. To feed them with discipline. Now, this is a part that a lot of guys like. Can you pull that slide up for me? My, my thing's not working today. But this is the part, and this is the dad moment I had when I was getting ready. I wish my kids were here. Uh, because but my, uncle had, my uncle had something in the house called the Enforcer, and I only heard the legend of the Enforcer. I never saw it. Because nobody dared show it to me. I, my cousins one time they said they went and got it out, and they got spanked for playing with it. <laughs> you know? Now some of you guys are. I, you know, I mean the young generation. You think you know? I got this was funny. Somebody this week asked me this question. They said, I think it was a family group. Someone said um, we talked about swatting, and someone said, "Did you ever get swatted in school?" I got swatted in school. Can you believe a state-run administration took me in there, put me over a desk, and was like, "Wah bah!" and me i mean come on can you believe it just the fears oh lord <laughs> and i'll tell you what i was more afraid of than getting swatted tell my mom i gotten swatted because that was going to be more trouble you know you go home you're like oh, God. and then you get there and you're like i got swatted and she's like oh what get my paddle out you know no it's done no i to tell you something about the discipline of the lord Training the floor. You know, we think about that, don't we think about punishment? Maybe your dad was like that. Maybe he was. Maybe you were abused, man. God never, never calls a father to abuse his children. Do not, do not abuse your children and say you're doing God's work. Spare the rod, spoil the child, has ruined kids. And worse, it's ruined kids toward God. i tell you, you know, our sovereign Heavenly Father, if he ever takes you to swat, and it's going to be one deal, and it's going to be permanent. And he's going to not, not love doing it, but he's just. See, the experience that I have with my father is not, uh, not swatting, but it's this kind of idea of a, a way to wind things up. You kind of look at it, and you, you can... See if it makes sense. In our lives, we're called to follow a model. And the model is found in Scripture, you know. Chris and I were talking about how, we, how we're called to raise our kids and make a home and follow Jesus. And the Word says, that, you know, we're called to the straight path. We're called to make sure that we're in alignment with God's will and purpose called to confess when we've screwed up. The word here is training. Discipline your child in the Lord. It means train them. It means practice. It means go, you know, son, I don't, I don't think, you know, you know, I don't think that's really where you want to be. That's not what God's showing me. It's, it's saying to our daughters, it's kind of a big deal who you choose to be with. God loves you. He, you're a daughter of the child, daughter of the king. He has hopes and dreams for you. And we can begin to align our lives with the Scripture, you see. Don't frustrate your kids. Train them up. Now, again, I'm up here, and I'm just preaching because God's called me to preach today, but I don't want you to think I'm up here because I'm doing this perfectly. Talk to my kids, they'll tell you. I'm working on it, though. I hope today's message, I hope that today I can be before the sovereign God, and I can say, yeah, we'll start aligning ourselves to scriptural ways. Raise them up. Nourish them in the training of our Lord. And then the second, second word here. So the first is, it comes, by the way, the same word is used in First Timothy. And, and um, the, I won't bore you with the Greek, but the Greek word reminded me of Padawan. Who Anybody a Star Wars fan? Yeah, okay. Praise God for Star Wars fans. Padawan, I didn't know what a Padawan was until the new series came out, right? So this one, they're little bitty. They start getting trained to be Jedis, you know, right? It means that you have in your home this small person that God's called to great things. Our call is to train them, to teach them, to practice with them. They're gonna make mistakes and we're gonna, and what's our standard? We're gonna be ourselves or God. Are we gonna admit we made that same mistake? We made a different mistake. That's a new one. You know what I mean? Padawan, it's this idea of training them up to to growing them as disciples of Jesus Christ. Here we go, check it out. The second is this. It says, uh, in discipline and instruction, right? And the instruction literally means to teach, to teach them, Uh, just like we heard out of uh, Deuteronomy. Teach them to live their lives. Give them warning. It means to lay their mind next to the mind of God and see how it aligns, to control thinking, You know, not step back and say, well, I found my way, you find yours. But to say, this is God's standard. as I understand it. Let's let's get in the scripture together and see. Where do you see that supported? Where do you see your, your lifestyle supported? Or where do you see your choices, you know, supported by God's purposes for you? This isn't about me. Argue with the God. Become Jacob on the beach, wrestling with God, not leaving until you understand the God that you are following, the one that has made you. That's our call is to teach them, to train them, to discipline them, and to instruct them in our Lord. But here's the last part, and then I want to talk about what this really means, but you see, here's the last part, is uh, the, um, those, those, these two things, you know, we're called to, to nourish and feed them with the discipline, and then nourish and feed them with instruction, right? Providing the root, the groundedness that they will need in the Lord. But then the last thing here is all this stuff is rooted in Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, like, if you, you and I try to make a straight, you know, we're going to mess it up. I mean, it ain't going to happen. And so everything that we're doing, and I hope that you see this, is under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you something. It's interesting because it says um, what we're called to do is nourish our children in Jesus, but not just Jesus like Sunday school Jesus Jesus loves me this is how I know Jesus Jesus does love them this you know that's true we know that but we're called to raise them up in the lordship of Jesus Christ that means that there's a bigger issue at hand than disappointing mom and dad you know as parents and spiritual leaders our goal is to raise healthy functioning god-fearing Jesus following adults and that, that means that it's, it's not our way, it's, gonna, it's God's way, and that means that we're gonna, we're gonna encourage them. We're going to nurture them under his lordship. And that's a whole different, that's a different thing. And I, I gotta tell you, if you feel like me today, man, but I wanna lay this down, like I wanna lay this down, that this is a command in scripture, right? That he tells us to do these things. But if you're like me and you're like, I can't do this well. I don't even know what I'm doing. I barely follow you well enough to know where you're at right now, God. But his call is for us to to teach our children. I think it's interesting. By the way, did you, in Deuteronomy it says, teach your children to do the same. See, it's not complete. Because our call in the end Boy, this is, I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because the call in the end is to raise them up as followers of Jesus. And this is a place, fathers, where we can leave our kids. We can trust our kids. Why? What's the word say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but be given eternal life. You see, this is the the Lordship, the Messiahship. This is the way a loving father raises their kids. And so if you're like me today I'm going to I'm going to gonna talk to you for a minute. If you're like me today and you're like I can't do this, I don't know. I want to know that god is calling you to this but he has empowered you to do this don't don't think that he's just hoping that you try to find a way on your own the way to find that we can do this is at the foot of the cross with jesus this is us being raised up this is our kids being raised up this is his nurture his love this area right here is fertile ground because it's the place where the blood was poured that you and i could be fully functioning followers of the messiah the god of the universe I'm asking you guys to step up. I'm asking you guys to step up. Step up your game. Step up your prayer life. Step up your Bible study. Step up your engagement with your family. Step up your love. That we can become the leaders that God has called us to be. Now, I've been talking a lot about guys today, and I I, want to spend a moment talking about wives and mothers. Because here's the thing, right? This is no threat against you. Moms have this irreplaceable role. I mean, you birth the children. You rear the children. But I want to say to you, confessing as a man, that we are not doing our job. And the truth is this, that for a man to become the leader that God's calling him to be is no threat to you as a mother. It's no threat. As a matter of fact, I believe that if the men of God we respond and we begin to follow God's plan for our homes, it won't be, you know, without bumps and bruises, but I think that along the way we'll begin to see the picture that God had intended. Now, one last thing, you see, is that And this is kind of, this is the the women also to the guys, but you know, uh, sometimes when you're in a home and uh, there's no father, you're it, mom's it. That's not not God's plan, but that's it. You know, dad ain't coming, dad ain't there. And uh, I gotta tell you that uh, God has called you to the work. God has called you to the work and he can do amazing things. Amazing things through you. But you know, it says that his, his heart breaks. His heart breaks for widows and orphans. I want you to hear that. That the God who came to die on the cross loves children without fathers. Loves them. And all of us in God have a father that will not quit, that will not leave, and that will always love. And so if that's you, and you think, yeah, but I don't have it. I, I can't even get it. God, this is your message. This is for you, that God has provided a way through his own love for you. So today I'm going to ask fathers, if this is you, I'm just going to ask you to respond where you are. You know, if, if you need to pray, I would love to pray with you that today would be the day that you begin to really seriously consider your, your role, your opportunity, your obligation as a father. And if you want to stay right where you at and pray before your Heavenly Father, He knows the prayers of our hearts. Before we even say a word, He knows what it is. And so today, if you're right now, you're crying out, you're just going, mercy, mercy, He knows that prayer. And if you're going, I need a way forward, He knows that prayer. So today, I'm going to ask that you would just respond as you feel that. I'm going to hang out right up here, and if you want to come talk to me or pray, I'll be up here, but I'm, it's not going to be a show, but I'm going to ask you to respond to the living God today and to, to take up that opportunity we have to be spiritual leaders of our homes. So join me in prayer before we have the band come back up. We'll try to wrap up here this morning. Father God, we've come into your house to hear of an immense love that we can hardly fathom, a reality that we can hardly believe. And yet you have made it plain before us today of your great love, your plan, your purpose, your sovereignty over our fatherhood, your call, your empowerment. to be who you are calling us to be. Father, today, we pray that you would bind us up in those places that are wounded deep, you know, that you would get in there and do the work and and, and make us whole, restore us, and that you would then call us forward into a glorious truth, Father God, that we would be glorifying to you and a blessing to our families. I pray for, for fathers and mothers today that are struggling to find a way to do this well, that we don't put our confidence in our plans or our own schemes or our ideas, but we put our confidence fully in your presence, in your spirit, and in your purpose for our lives. I pray that today, deep inside of us, we would take hold of the truth that you have called us to the work and that we could faithfully follow you as we do it. Be glorified today. Have your way in our time of response. And we give you praise and glory for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.